Welcome back to Burgundy Blogcast on the Redskins for the truth. This is season three, episode 35. This is a solo session. It's just Brent this time. And I've got a few thoughts about the divisional round of the playoffs as they pertain to Kirk Cousins. Friends, when I was a small boy, I had a big dream. And that dream was to grow up and one day record the first ever Washington Redskins podcast from Vietnam. And friends, I'm very proud to say that right now I am accomplishing that lifelong dream. Good morning, Vietnam! I am in Hanoi, Vietnam for a week of medical mission work, including some conference lectures and a pediatric cardiology clinic to hopefully find some patients with congenital heart disease who we can help. It took me almost exactly 24 hours of travel time to get to Vietnam, including the longest leg of my flight itinerary being an installment of about 14 hours. I've only been here for about 12 hours, so I'm still exhausted. And I did not watch one second of the divisional round in real time. But of course, I've now had the chance to read up thoroughly and see the highlights. And a couple things jumped out at me. First of all, that's Stefan Diggs' touchdown at the end of regulation was hellacious. Unbelievable play. Unbelievable game. Sorry I missed that one. But I want to take like, I don't know, maybe five minutes to briefly elaborate on my take on the ramifications of these playoffs on the Redskins and the likelihood of Kirk Cousins staying or going. First of all, three of the remaining four quarterbacks in these playoffs are, quite frankly, nothing special. That's Case Keenum, Nick Foles, and Blake Bortles. They're different kind of players, and obviously, at least here recently, they've been good enough Uh, But I'm not so sold on any of them being what I would really qualify as good. Now, I'm sure several people will object to me saying that about Case Keenum, who's had really a very good year, and maybe for part of it was even in the MVP discussion. But I'm sorry, I just feel that Case Keenum is riding an unbelievable defense and a number of uh, electric playmakers to the success you're seeing in Minnesota right now. I think it certainly turns out he's better than most people thought, and at least for this season, he's been far better than adequate. But I just don't think we're seeing a ton of actual playmaking from him, and I'm not ready to say that this one year overrules his several previous years of toiling in NFL obscurity. I think to partially support my point, I know there's been a lot of talk in Minnesota about possibly ditching all three of their current quarterbacks this year and potentially pursuing Kirk Cousins. So whatever you think of Cousins, it appears that many Vikings fans do not put Case Keenum at or near his level. The other NFC quarterback still fighting is Nick Foles, who's terrible. He's only alive because Carson Wentz carried the Eagles to their number one seed. And of course, Foles is now benefiting from another awesome, awesome defense uh, there in Philadelphia. Over in the AFC, the Jaguars are still alive. So you've got Bortles, who's looked like okay in spurts throughout the year. And, uh, you know, yesterday he did enough to knock off the Steelers. But come on, I don't need to spend a lot of time explaining why Bortles has been a major disappointment through his career and even in, in stretches this year, including in their first playoff game, which they somehow won in spite of him, not because of him. Let's face it, Bortles also is benefiting, are you are you noticing a pattern here, from a dominating defense. And to his credit, he's figuring out basically just how to not completely screw it up. Then, of course, you've got Brady, and Brady is Brady, and Brady's probably going to win another Super Bowl. But let's think about what maybe it means for the Redskins and, and even for the NFL in general for three of these four quarterbacks playing for a conference championship right now to be mediocre. First of all, I think you're kidding yourself if you don't think that really all teams are going to view this situation as at least partial validation for the resurgent philosophy that you don't need an elite quarterback to advance deep into the playoffs, particularly the fact that if you you build up a strong team around the quarterback position, 
Um, most importantly, the defense, but also an offensive line and a running game. And then maybe you decide to drop an inexperienced or even a middling quarterback into that cockpit, so to speak. I think the current situation lends some degree of credibility to that idea. And I think you might dis- you might start to see a few more teams subscribe to that philosophy and, and maybe decide to spend a little bit less at the quarterback position. This, in turn, may tamp down the quarterback market a little bit and therefore the market specifically for Kirk Cousins if he should become a free agent or merely a transition-tagged player in the next couple of months. Secondly, let's look uh, a little more particularly at a few of the teams who may have been or may eventually be in the Kirk Cousins market, should there be one, and how these last few games may have impacted their strength of fit with Cousins. I think, first of all, two of these teams still alive were actually potential landing spots and may still be, but but probably are a little bit less so after these games. Everybody in Minnesota, those three guys, I think are all free agents uh, coming up here. You've got Bridgewater coming off a major injury and whose career even prior to that was maybe a little bit underwhelming. You've got Bradford who was having a good year until he got hurt for the 58th time. And then you've got Keenum who, as discussed, has emerged. A lot of people think he could still be upgraded on and he may also follow um, Vikings offensive coordinator Pat Shermer to his new team if Shermer gets a head coaching gig. So there's reason for like maybe a a little bit of a, a Kirk Cousins to the Vikings link there. However, I would say that uh, by by helping his team to advance as far as they have, Keenum probably has diminished the strength of the Vikings-Kirk Cousins connection at this point. The other one, of course, is the Jaguars. Um, really good team, 10-win regular season, incredible defense. Bortles mostly a disappointment, but I think really for the same reason here, he just showed that that maybe he's good enough to get by with or, or, or even to succeed with. They've also invested quite a lot of him, in him over the course of his career in terms of draft capital, um, development time, and money with his fifth-year option. So if Jacksonville was previously viewed as, as a high-likelihood landing spot for Kirk Cousins, I also think that maybe they're a little bit less likely today than they were a day or two ago as well. Here's another one that might be a little bit of a reach, but I think it's relevant. The Steelers, who lost, of course, to the Jaguars. Uh, they're eliminated, and they are about to experience their second consecutive offseason of rumors and whispers about Big Ben potentially retiring. My take on this one is that if the Steelers had advanced and made it to the Super Bowl, or even won the Super Bowl, I think under that circumstance, it probably would have been more likely that Big Ben would ride off into the sunset. As it is, though, I suspect he's left still thirsting for one more ring. He's still got a great team to work with there and some awesome weapons on offense, including, of course, Antonio Brown. And I kind of doubt Le'Veon Bell is going to get out of there. So I think the Steelers losing makes it more likely Big Ben returns to Pittsburgh and therefore less likely that Cousins would consider trying to slide right into that ideal situation on a team and for a franchise that has done an awful lot of winning over recent decades. So I guess that's the gist of my perspective on what these playoffs have meant to Kirk Cousins and his future with the Redskins. I think these four remaining playoff teams have shown, or at least given some credence to the idea, that you don't necessarily have to break the bank on a quarterback. And I think they've also slightly reduced the viability of two or maybe three teams who potentially would have been contributing to Kirk Cousins' market going higher. So if there's a greater consequence there, specifically for Cousins, I think, first of all, these happenings may increase a little bit the relative likelihood of him getting transition tagged versus franchise tagged. But also in recent weeks, I've been thinking a little bit more, and I have definitely not 
abandoned the possibility that the Redskins might just decide to let Kirk Cousins walk completely unhindered and unmolested into unrestricted free agency without any kind of tag at all. I'd say with every passing day, it's seeming more and more like any sort of tag would kind of just be yet another one-year band-aid on the QB situation in Washington. I think with both the franchise tag and the transition tag numbers being as high as they are, neither one is very likely to spur a long-term deal at this time. And really, regardless of how much the Redskins value Kirk Cousins, if they see one of those tag options as just yet another temporary solution, they very well may be inclined to just force the issue now. To let Cousins go out into the market, sniff around, find his value. Finally find his value like he's been begging for these last few years. So that a more definitive resolution to this situation can be found now instead of a year from now. And based on his recent comments, I think Jay Gruden would probably be on board with that at least. And perhaps the events of this past weekend just might make Kirk Cousins' ultimate market value a little bit more palatable. <laughs> 